Welcome to Podcasting Smarter, the podcast for and by podcasters. We interview podcasters for the real scoop on podcasting. Whether you're thinking about starting a podcast or have been podcasting for years, you'll find lots of inspiration, valuable lessons, and tips in our interviews. This podcast is brought to you by Podbean. Please visit podbean.com, the home for podcasters. Hey there, everybody. This is John from Podbean and Podcasting Smarter. On today's episode, we're going to be speaking with Marty from VMware, speaking about internal podcasts and how you can use podcasts in your business. Marty, how are you today? I'm doing very well. Perfect. Again, thank you so much for making the time to sit down with us. So let's get started a little bit, talk a little bit about how VMware started to uh, integrate podcasts into their work. But before we do that, tell us a little bit about VMware and what you guys are about. Sure. We're an enterprise software company. Uh, We're the leader in uh, virtualization software, um, focusing on both desktop virtualization as well as data center virtualization. So uh, the team that I work with is uh, focused on sales training, uh, and that's where we've been leveraging the podcasts for our internal audience. There's a whole different group that handles customer-facing and partner-facing podcasts out to the rest of the world, but we have really taken up the idea of using podcasts as a secure internal internal communication method um, for really the last couple, three years now. And and we've seen great adoption and great success from it. What was the catalyst that made your company say, you know, communication across our company could probably be done a little bit more effectively through podcasting? Yeah, so uh, twofold, really. One was a great experience that I had in a previous life working uh, actually with uh, a group in HP software, where we had done, um, this was uh, many years ago, we had done kind of an internal version of podcasting that was based on SharePoint and video-based, very manual, very difficult. Uh, We weren't able to leverage the Uh, ease of publishing and the simplicity uh, that you get on a podcasting platform like Podbean, we had to do it all manually. But we had great success with the field and our audience. And uh, as I moved into the the role here at VMware, uh, we had been pushing this agenda for many years and finally got the uh, kind of right um, combination of people that believed in the need for greater and better communication, uh, as well as a little extra budget uh, available for one quarter. We got to try it as a pilot, and as expected, it was uh, as successful with the field as we thought it would be, and it's just kind of grown from there. What do you think were some of the things that have made it successful so far? I mean, um, one of the things that we see a lot here at Podbean are when people start using podcasts for internal communications, internal training, they find that the engagement with the material is um, a lot deeper. You know, it's something where you can listen to these on the go. It's something where it's in an audio or video format. Was that something that you found that, um, that you were able to leverage a little more? Definitely. Um, I think just the overall adoption of podcasts, especially among um, our technical audience, uh, people are listening to podcasts already. Uh, and uh, so that was a huge uh, benefit to us. The other piece was actually more of a negative from a, a different perspective. Uh, our learning management system and our, our other communications tools really didn't have a good offline playback experience available within them. So as people, especially again, this technical audience that does a lot of traveling, um, you know, they're not able to to sit down and take their training or to review information when they're on a plane, whereas everyone else loads up some podcasts to, to have available for their plane ride. And, uh, you know, you get to enjoy uh, episodes while you're, uh, while you're logging miles. So it, it was really the fact that we couldn't deliver 
the training that they were asking for in any other way other than via a podcast uh, type uh, solution. But of course, this this content had to be secure. So that was the big piece that really drove us to Podbean is that ability to have a um, SSO authenticated um, verification before people are able to download and consume this content. So it was really driven by the the audience themselves. Security seems like something that a lot of enterprise companies such as yourselves is something that you value with your internal communications podcast also. Um, is that something where, like let's say a scrambled URL wasn't something that was necessarily an option that you guys could really do? You needed to have that SSO login to have that level of security? Yeah, definitely. By the time the uh, security team found out what we were trying to do, they, they kind of uh, mandated that it be behind the, the SSO authentication, and, and rightfully so. That I mean, this is important information that our field needs to have uh, that is very sensitive, right? So it needs to be behind that layer of protection. We just, quite frankly, didn't want to risk the opportunity for some of that stuff to trickle out uh, via, like you said, a, a hidden URL or just the fact that no one knows it's out there isn't a good enough protection. Um, whereas it may have been several years ago, certainly today, that's that's just not, not the case. Of course. In 2019, I think we take for granted the fact that technology and the digital era, as great as it is, is still very accessible if you just try hard enough to find the content. And if you want to make sure it's super secure, having it behind an SSO email and password, that's really the best way to go. Um, are you using the Podbean software and podcasting for uh, training also as well as internal communication? Yeah, so we've actually, uh, we've got about 10 different channels. I'd say eight of those are very active. There's a couple that have kind of come and gone uh, over the past couple of years. But um, I would say, if we break those audi- those down by audience. So we have one that's tr- traditionally aimed at our core sales team. Then we have several different technical groups that are getting um, information directly kind of served up to them. So we have shows that appear on those channels uh, that are targeted to different uh, products or to uh, or maybe from different executives. Um, so some of those are communication-based and some of them are definitely um, tied into a training plan. So we've actually gone uh, above and beyond uh, what what is typical for a, a Podbean implementation, at least we think so, uh, in working with the the, the technical uh, folks uh, on your side. And we've actually created some connections between the Podbean episodes and a corresponding course in our learning management system. So we use Saba Cloud, and we've made a connection there that we use a little bit of uh, scripting on the back end to help mark people complete for having consumed training content as they are um, getting credit or as they are downloading or listening to an episode. So again, it's we're trying to meet the need of our end user of having a better offline viewing or listening experience for mandatory or, or recommended training, and we're using Podbean to do that. Uh, we're just making that connection on the back end, saying that if you've listened to this episode, we're going to give you credit for achieving this course as part of your training plan. So that has been something that we have utilized for the last several years now, and again, we're doing more and more of that. Um, but I'd say it's about 60-40, um, 60% of its communication or um, consume at your leisure type uh, content. The other 40% would be more mandated or stuff that we want to make sure everyone is getting uh, on a regular basis and we're actually tracking back whether or not they've listened. So using it more as a, 
uh, a training tool instead of just an education or a, a learn at your own pace tool. And I like how you said that you kind of divvy it up between each of the different, let's say, departments. You have about seven different podcasts. You have uh, built in the ability for you to look back and see who is uh, who's listened to the content and really get to check off in such a granular way. When a lot of companies start off, they see podcasting as a really great solution. A lot of the time, it's difficult to go back and say, or see rather, who has already completed the content, who's been able to uh, digest it or where to break that down. I know for us, we have our own engagement intel that we use. Is that something you've integrated as well? Or is most of that handled on VMware side, like solely? Yeah, so we're, we're leveraging, again, there's some in, a couple of folks on our side that have worked with the reporting team there um, to get, in essence, an automated uh, dump of content every night that uh, allows us to then, uh, again, do a little parsing of that data because it captures the email address, of course, of the person listening. And then uh, the for the most part, the time that they've spent listening. And then that gives us the data that we need to uh, pull the trigger and mark them complete for that particular course. So again, it's that SSO integration coupled with uh, some work that we're doing on the back end with our LMS that allows us to, to do that. Now, a question I have for you specifically, I think one of the biggest things for when we talk to a lot of these companies, they usually say things like, well, you know, we're not really sure about how to create the content. How are we going to break up the training? How are we going to deliver uh, weekly newsletter, how are we going to make sure that all of our people are getting what they need? And you've already covered the uh, the checking off of listening to the podcast, but what is your ease of recording and producing content for people to listen to? Yeah, so uh, again, almost as varied as the topics and the channels that we have. Um, we're lucky that several of the channel owners or the people that are administering or um, really the major contributors uh, are kind of podcast geeks like me, <laughs> and they've taken it upon themselves to uh, teach themselves how to do the audio editing, what the best practices are. Uh, I actually have a, a background in a former life of working in radio. So I, I come to it with a above average knowledge of how to create um, you know decent sounding audio. And uh, I've tried to pass that on to the other teams as much as we can. Uh, again, a large group is uh, technical, so they love to geek out and uh, and really get in there and try to make it as, as good as possible. The other benefit is, again, uh, our team being embedded on the training side of things, um, you know, we leverage tools like Captivate, uh, Zoom meetings, uh, and we've actually, there's a couple different programs internally over the past few years that have been built around enabling our subject matter experts, which basically are our audience, to create training content for other um, other people in the country in, in the company, so we've actually you know distributed out some uh, um, some different podcasting kits in essence uh, to the field. So we've got uh, some content uh, experts as well as some expert uh, equipment out there floating around in our ecosystem that people have been able to leverage. Um, all that being said, we also do have a, a corporate function that uh, does do some media production at our headquarters in Palo Alto. Uh, we leverage them um, for many of the higher production uh, podcasts, so things that would be uh, from a CEO or a CFO uh, reaching out to their audience. We'll leverage our actual in-house studio, and we'll produce broadcast quality material um, from that perspective. But really, in my opinion, the key is 
finding the uh, the passionate uh, amateur, the the prosumer in the audience that wants to take it to the next level and give them enough budget to uh, uh, get the Adobe Studio, to get a decent microphone and a mixer if you need to, and just show them how to use it. I think that's the key to really building up the podcast culture uh, and keeping it going is finding people that really want to take it on and uh, give them what they need to make it happen. I would agree with you. And there's a lot to kind of unpack there too, because there's so much gear that you could have. And if you're like a public podcast who's really more talent driven, there's obviously different solutions for you. But when you're creating corporate and internal training and you're talking about uh, things that you're going to have people get validated on and making sure that your content is as clear as possible. You want to go ahead and make sure that the audio and the production is where it needs to be. Um, what are some of your go-to, let's say, hardware and software that you use? I believe you said at the beginning you were using Audition. Yeah, that's just because I've been an Adobe junkie forever. But uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> sure. I, I, it's. I think I even have a template email uh, in my uh, Outlook folder that basically when someone reaches out, how do I make a podcast? It's, uh, you know, and they ask all the same questions. How long should it be? How do I go about recording it? And, and again, I go back to my... Uh, uh, probably a little uh, a little archaic now, but some of my radio roots, I, I remember them saying, you know, or me asking how, you know, how long do I talk? What, when, when, when do I need to shut up? And, and basically the, the, uh, the advice that I have always hung on is as long as you have something interesting to say, then people will listen. If you start rambling on and being uninteresting, then you should know that that's time to, to hang it up. And, and obviously if you look at the world of podcasting, you have, uh, Dan Carlin fans that will like me, that will listen for three hours. And you have Gary V fans that won't, you know, that, that really dial in for those shorter seven minute podcasts sometimes. So it really depends on your audience, uh, your, your subject matter and making sure that there's a reason to put out a podcast or to listen to it. But when it comes down to the technical questions, I would say I always default to the simplest possible. Uh, and I just tell them to record a zoom meeting. So if it's if it's uh, a particular person who wants to do a first person podcast, so me addressing uh, the the troops, um, open up Zoom, record it. Um, it'll give you easy access to an MP3 file when you download it, or an MP4 that you can convert. So that's simple, uh, and you can kind of teach them some basic editing there too, if if necessary. Um, when it is. Um, you know, someone higher up in the company where, or we have an interview where there's more than one person, I always advise them to do, again, if you've got a good connection, um, you can do that on Zoom, but if possible, be in the same room together and, and, and use a simple microphone to record that way. I, I'll, I'll refrain from giving actual hardware advice because, again, I, I tend to err on the broadcast side of things, so all of my suggestions are going to be way out of budget, uh, but I'm just kind of spoiled that way. So uh, otherwise, you know, again, if it sounds good um, or if what you have to say uh, is important enough, the audio quality will be secondary for sure. I mean, it can't be complete, uh, can't be painful to listen to, but um, it's more important that what you say is good rather than it sounds absolutely perfect. I couldn't agree more with you. And when you are invested in what the person's saying, sometimes that audio quality can leave something to be desired, but you hardly notice that the audio quality is a little bit less than someone who's in, let's say, a $100,000 studio. But if the content of what you're talking about is engaging and it's something that you find value with, you're willing to kind of forego some of that quality. Yeah, and I think especially with our audience, uh, I mean, we're a very global organization. Um, 
Uh, I live in Zoom. I live on WebEx uh, in my day job, as does most of the other folks that that, that are in a globally distributed uh, organization. There's always it's either you or somebody else that has a bad connection. So uh, I mean that's just kind of a fact of life. Unfortunately, we're all kind of uh, uh, gotten used to that. Unfortunately, but um, again, as long as it's not painful to listen to. Uh, it's probably not as important to sound, like you said, broadcast quality or uh, CD quality um, uh, out of the gate. Focus more on the content uh, and then upgrade the, the material once you get the, the buy-in and the budget. And you, know, you can always upgrade to a better, better system, and I advise that you should, but uh, it's more important that you get out there and, and get started. Of course. Now, with VMware, are you guys doing just audio podcasts or are you doing video podcasting as well? No. So we, we, again, are leveraging content that may be coming from other sources, um, uh, and putting it into the podcast channel. So sometimes it is a corporate uh, video. It's something that's produced by our studio, uh, by our in-house studio. Uh, and then that's being distributed via this mechanism. Other times it is a zoom recording. Uh, so like for product launch training, for example, there are times where we will, uh, take a, a snippet of a, a formal training, carve that out and push it to a particular audience via the podcast channel, uh, just as a way of reminding them or reinforcing something that they're supposed to have already heard. Um, but it's just a bite-sized, you know, again, our, our goal is to train them to subscribe to the channel and then listen to it sometime over the week, couple of weeks or months, um, you know, when they get the free time or when they get the ability to, uh, I wish I could keep up on all my podcasts, you know, week by week, but uh, that's just not the case, right? So um, when I go and I binge watch or I binge listen to Reply All and I haven't been on there for a couple of months, that's kind of the same activity we want uh, our our audience to have as well, uh, that there's always a good drip feed of content and information out there uh, to both reinforce and educate and, and make sure they know about the new things that are happening. But we typically don't put incredibly time-sensitive information out that way, just because we're expecting people to consume it uh, as they want, or um, you know, tying this back to the training that we do, we typically develop a training plan that needs to be consumed every quarter. So they have you know roughly uh, two and a half, three months or so to consume that content. We don't mandate that they consume it all in a week. Um, so there's always you know some some content that needs to be evergreen or always uh, uh, applicable out there. Uh, it can't be incredibly time sensitive because uh, you're just not sure everyone's going to listen to it at the same time. Of course. And the fact that you are bringing up the evergreen content as opposed to time sensitive is super important too. When you're talking about evergreen content, you want to make sure that it's something that you're not just listening to once. You can always go back to it and there's always a reason for you to go back. And that's a lot of your internal training, but the time sensitivity... Uh, audio content or video content, those can come like the form of newsletters, things like that. And, you know, there's the ability to leverage both. But with you guys, it seems like there's a lot of focus on training, which is great. Um, the last question I have for you, do you see that the podcasting medium helps deliver information in an easier, more digestible format? Um, I think over time, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, but let's say you're on a plane or you're on the go and in transit, while something like email can be extremely mobile, there is a little bit of uh, modernization that has happened in the world of podcasting, the ability to listen to it offline. So do you feel that podcasting has helped digest the information a little bit more 
in the more in 2019? Yeah, I, definitely. And and again, I, I'll go back to my uh, my roots in broadcasting. And uh, uh, as I transitioned off the air, I, I went into sales. As unfortunately, everybody tries to do, uh, uh, just because you never make enough money <laughs> doing it otherwise. But um, I mean, obviously, when you talk about uh, radio or TV or anything like that, um, especially when you talk about advertising, it's about frequency. And I think that's something that a lot of people um, uh, on the content consumption side forget about, or even the content creation side forget about. You know, you've got to hear that information probably in more than one medium several times before it truly resonates with you and, and you are willing to make a change or that really sinks in, right? So for us, that can be... Uh, as I said, a launch training where it's a formal training uh, event where you're asked to log in and, and view something in a Zoom or a WebEx. Um, but you may be multitasking, right? So you may not get all of that. Then there might be a, a portion of that that has been cut out and remixed with other content that you hear a week later in a podcast. And then you might get an email follow-up or it might be part of a newsletter. So this is the same thing again in that cheat sheet that I give to all the, the folks wanting to do podcasts. You've got to promote the information uh, more than just the podcast itself, right? If if you expect your audience to change, or to learn something, or to modify their behavior in some way, just because you put out a podcast about it isn't enough. You've got to reinforce that message. Well, first of all, you've got to reinforce that the podcast is there. Then you've got to reinforce that message over and over again in other ways as well. So again, it's it's frequency. It's it's playing the advertising game with your audience, um, even when it's training or or um, internal marketing is kind of the way that we we phrase it um, internally, right? We want to market to them that this new asset is available or this new training is available. So it's important that we communicate in all the media available to us, newsletter. Uh, you know, if we had billboards, we'd use billboards, but <laughs> we don't. So we have email, we have newsletters, we have uh, we do have banners, right, on SharePoint sites, different things like that. That's where you can really make a difference in getting the the message across. Uh, and again, podcast plays a huge role there. And I'm super happy that we were able to get it added to the arsenal uh, a couple of years ago, and it's it's grown as much as it has. It's been fantastic. And I like what you said too about the follow up because podcasting is a tool. Podcasting is something that you can use to help reinforce what you're uh, what you're selling to people, or rather, what you're having them get trained on. Um, what advice would you have for any businesses that are looking to incorporate private podcasting or internal communications podcasting into their network that are kind of on the fence about it? Yeah, again, I think the key is um, uh, understanding that it's not going to go to 100 overnight. Um, It's going to take some ramp up, some adoption time. Um, So definitely, and again, this is more just general podcasting uh, guidelines, right? So uh, the same things I've heard uh, in lots of, uh, I think there's a great creative, li- no, no affiliation, but there's a great creative live podcasting uh, training session that I remember sitting in on uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, all of those advice would apply to a corporate podcast just as much as any other one. Make sure that you give it time to build up. Make sure that you've got content in the bag before you launch. Don't Don't start with one episode and then wonder what to do next. Um, and make sure that you've got um, promotion in other in other ways, right? Just because the podcast is out there doesn't guarantee people are going to see it. You need to advertise that podcast to your audience uh, using the other um, media that, that they consume on a daily basis, whether it's email, mentioning in a meeting, 
you know, billboards if you got them <laughs> or signs in the cafeteria, whatever it happens to be, right? Just so promote the fact that you're there uh, and commit to it for a decent amount of time before you make the call as to whether or not it it is a good fit uh, or not. You've got to make sure that you get, get uh, enough momentum behind it to make it successful. Marty, thanks so much again for coming on our podcast and speaking about how VMware uses internal communications podcast in their business. Thanks so much, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for joining us for Podcasting Smarter. You can check our show notes at podcast.podbean.com for links and details. Please like our podcast, leave your comments, and help us spread the word to other podcasters so we can bring you more great episodes with podcasting tips and inspiration from fellow podcasters. If you want to connect with other podcasters or get interviewed on this podcast, please join our Podcasting Smarter Facebook group. We look forward to welcoming you to the community. Happy podcasting.